Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. We're talking to Dr. Linda Dillon-Jones. Hi, Linda. How are you? Hi, Kim. So nice to be with you again. Yes, great. So what are you going to talk with us today about? Well, um, I thought uh, something that might be helpful for faculty is how to deal with conflict and find more productive ways to either avoid it or deal with it when it comes along. That's a great uh, topic and, of course, so important for all of us. And um, you're spot on with that because in our in our field and in academic medicine, there's lots of opportunities for conflict. <laughs> so I disagreement. I love I love this uh, session that you've given, and so um, take it away. So um, I think most faculty uh, are used to facing opposition in meetings. You know, if you're having a a um, uh, I can't remember what you call the first meeting you have with students when they're starting their dissertation work. Oh, you know, like know. The, oh, the thesis or presentation? Yeah, the yeah. thesis, yeah. a problem meeting, you yeah. know, where you're trying to come together, or any research meeting where you're trying to generate a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of opposition, and a lot of people have different ideas for how we could approach this research. And so people are used to facing opposing ideas and defending their beliefs. Right. Um, and that's fine. You know, that's where um, great problem solving and great um, uh, improvement and mm-hmm. innovation come from. Yes. But what happens when it becomes something that feels more like um, oppression mm. or like conflict mm-hmm. or where you get, you know, it's hard to know where it begins, but you feel something almost visceral yeah. in your stomach or yes. in your chest or yeah. you start to tap your foot or you know, start yeah. tapping your fingers and you start to feel anxious and angry. Right. And that is really the beginning of conflict. Okay. And so um, conflict really, I think, comes about largely, and this is the work of Dr. Elias Porter, who created this wonderful uh, instrument called the Strength Deployment Inventory. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, conflict really comes about when our sense of self feels threatened. Yeah. You know, that first and foremost, you know, you can disagree with me. And for the most part, that's fine. But if you ever say something that I care deeply enough about that I become offended, and Mm -hmm. I start to think, she doesn't understand me, or she doesn't share my goals, then it becomes something that I take as a personal Personal. affront. Right. And it's that personal stuff that we need to learn to deal with. Mm -hmm. So one easy way to avoid having that scenario even arise is for people to understand where your personal beliefs come from. Mm -hmm. So, of course, they come from diversity and religion and culture and all that. But in general, what Dr. Porter identified is that people come to any problem from either a standpoint of what's good for people uh-huh. or what's good for performance or what's good for the process. Three Ps, people, performance, or process. Right. Okay. So another way to think about this um, is, are you a, a snowplow, an ambulance, or a submarine? You know, ah. the snowplow <laughs> yeah. kind of pushes through the snow so people can get to work. So I happen to fall in this category. I just want to get the job done. Right. You know, I'm always on a, in a hurry to the next thing. I always have a calendar and a checklist. And, you know, here's what I want to accomplish today. And here's what I need to get done. And so I come to every meeting trying to solve this quickly so I can move on to the next thing. So the snowplow is the performance. Is the uh, performance, Yes. So the submarine is that group of people who um, are kind of under the water. You know, they're Mm. quiet in the meeting, they're thinking, Mm. they're not saying a lot. Like a submarine, they have stealth capability capability underwater, but also the ability to shoot missiles. Ah, You know, they have the conning tower that comes (laughs) up and looks around to see what's going on. So a lot of times in meetings, you'll look around the room, and there'll be people kind of sitting there who you don't even really think they're engaged. They're the submarines, you know, they're thinking under the surface, but maybe they don't share a lot. And then the final one is the um, ambulance, the people who rush to the rescue. Mm -hmm. So let's say we're having a budget meeting and we have to cut 15%. The people people, Mm -hmm. those uh, ambulance people are saying what? No way. How can you don't, do that? Yeah, yeah. Don't cut staff. Don't right. cut salaries. Don't cut services to our patients. Don't cut student benefits. Don't hurt the people. Right. Right. Same scenario. The performance people 
are the people who are saying, well, you know, there must be a way we can do this. Just take 15% off of everything. Mm-hmm. You know, just every line item, just cut off 15%, mm-hmm. and that'll be a way to do it fairly. Right. So for them, fairness and having a process that we can defend mm-hmm. is the most important thing. Got it. So a people person in the room, here's this process person saying just 15% across the board. The people people will come back and say, well, yeah, that's fine for the wealthy departments, right. you know, but the poor departments, they're going to suffer. So the people people are always going to say, how is this going to affect people? Gotcha. And the performance people, those, um, the snowplow. snowplow people, they're the ones who are going to say, look, just let the managers decide. Yeah. That's why you hire managers. Yeah. You know, just put somebody in charge and let them decide. And then you can move money around later if you need to. But this is a waste of our time to fight about this and get angry mm-hmm. because the managers could just decide and tell us what they're going to cut in their own area. Hmm. Why are we even having this meeting? Gotcha. You know, <laughs> so... So most people, and I hope the people who are listening can say to themselves now, yes, I am definitely a snowplow. A snowplow, a submarine, or an ambulance. Which do you think you are? Performance, process, or people. I'm definitely also a P, performance. I'm high J on the (laughs) Myers-Briggs. That's why I like you. That's like, I just am going to get it done. Roll the sleeves up. Enough with the chit-chat. Let's get her done and move on. So, yeah, I have to work very hard to feel the people side of things, which is why I like to have people, people on my teams. And that's exactly a good strategy to avoid conflict, is to make sure you have those three types represented on every committee so that you're not just not thinking about the people or not thinking about the process at all. Mm -hmm. So you and I both know, and this is the downside, that just by being ourselves, we create a lot of conflict. That's right. Because we insist that our way is the best way to Mm -hmm. decide. Or even if we don't insist, we believe it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We believe it, and we know we're right, and why are we still here talking about this? Let's move on. And so that is really where a lot of conflict comes from, is from people just coming into the room saying, I know what the right answer is. We don't even need to talk about this. Yes. And so creating a dialogue is a wonderful way to avoid conflict. And there are a lot of uh, crucial conversations Mm -hmm. is a content package Mm -hmm. that a lot of people have available now through books or Mm -hmm. training. Mm -hmm. And it says, create a dialogue. Before you get to the point that you're angry at each other, just start by saying, what do you think? Mm -hmm. You know, let me hear your side of the story. And so that's a really great way to avoid conflict. So so we need to look at our strengths and say, what's the downside of my strength? And actually, a lot of leadership development, and you know that... um, I've always liked doing assessments in the leadership development programs we've run, because once you identify your strengths, the opposite of that is Mm -hmm. your developmental need, and it's the thing that gets you into conflict. Exactly. So, for example, um, Dr. Porter identified a whole bunch of traits that fall into these three Mm -hmm. people, performance, and process categories. And some of his traits, for example, if you're a very trusting person, you're likely to be a people person. But the downside of that is that you're also likely to be gullible mm-hmm. because you always want to believe that people are not going to try to trick you or hurt you or yeah. lie to you. Right. You know, So uh, you can create a lot of conflict just by being gullible, mm-hmm. by, by accepting things that can't possibly be true which can ultimately lead to conflict and disagreement. Or if you're so self-confident, basically the downside of self-confidence is the real arrogance of believing you know everything. Right, exactly. (laughs) Which I'm guilty of, you know. And and I think, well, I'm not arrogant. I just just, think I know everything, (laughs) you know. So really learning to listen, learning to ask for other people's opinions and really listen while they're telling you and try to figure out, well, how can I incorporate Incorporate those other two categories into what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we let managers decide but make sure that the students or the patients aren't going to be hurt by that or that we have a fair, defensible process? Yes. How can we make sure all three types of people are satisfied? So um, why do people get into trouble? A lot of time it's because they really 
don't think and they don't spend enough time building relationships or they don't realize how important relationships are or when they get into a bad relationship they just start avoiding mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. just start avoiding that person right. or right or you know worst case saying mean things about them yeah. behind their back yeah but best case not even speaking to them just politely ignoring them exactly you know, or, or not listening yeah. so you know for years i taught a course called relationship awareness theory and it was just trying and this is dr porter's work again elias porter where um, he said relationships are the most important things for human beings, that nothing else is as important as, as your relationships. And in fact, when you look at faculty who are really achieving, they have a lot of relationships among their very productive teams of yes, people who yes. they're working with. Yeah. You know, we, we have a lot of evidence mm-hmm. that the people who succeed mm-hmm. are the people who have great collaborators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's how that becomes a part of a discussion of um, conflict. Yeah. I loved Abraham Lincoln's quote, who I have her tapped up on, taped up on my um, bulletin board at work amongst all, hundreds of other little sayings. But he said, I do not like that man. I must get to know him better. Right. And, that, and that's kind of my thing is I'm always like, I don't know where this comes from, but I'm like always curious. How could someone not like me? This is inconceivable. <laughs> how can someone, I don't understand this. And so rather than avoiding that person, I almost like doggedly pursue that relationship because I'm I'm just completely flummoxed as to how someone could not possibly like me. And so I've always been, if somebody I find it strange, it's like, I want to get to know them because of that. It's something that makes my brain go, huh? Yeah. But yeah, things come from the relationship. You're exactly right. And along came coffee houses. And Mm. now you can always just say, you want to go get a cup of coffee? Yeah. And especially, you know, I always advise faculty. And I was a faculty member for a long time. And I remember being really angry at my colleagues every now and then and just avoiding them. And I think it would have been so much better if I'd been able to say to them, you know, I'm sorry we're not agreeing about this. I know Mm -hmm. this was... A meeting you didn't enjoy having, and I'm really sorry that um, we're both upset. Mm-hmm. We're both angry. Um, can we talk about this tomorrow morning when we're both feeling better? You know, or, yeah, that's or so can mature. Can I take you out for a cup of coffee? Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd like to get to know you better. I'd like to understand your position better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's the place we go to naturally mm-hmm. as quickly as we should. You're right. Just immediately go to defensiveness and mm-hmm. taking things personally. Mm-hmm. So part of the um, um, crucial conversations methodology is to say that they talk about silence or violence, Mm -hmm. that either we avoid people or we get angry and say mean things to them in some way or another. And so uh, I found another author who calls that the difference between pussyfooting and clobbering. Right. And to me, that is so vivid in my mind that, yes, sometimes I pussyfoot around and Mm -hmm. I don't say anything at all. Mm -hmm. And then other times I clobber when I don't even mean to, you know, but somewhere. So when you get that dichotomy clearly in your mind, in the middle of that is just telling the truth Truth. with love Mm. in the kindest way possible. Just tell people the truth. So if someone says, uh, Kim, can you work this weekend? You know, yeah. I really need you to come in and look at that data this weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, you just say, I'm sorry, I have plans. I won't be able to do that. But I really need you to. Mm. And I would love to be able to help you. But I'm That's sorry, right. I have plans. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just keep telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm expecting you. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, I won't be there. <laughs> you know, just, yeah, yeah. Just keep oh. telling the truth in the nicest way you can, um, it, because that's basically all you can do yeah. that, that to avoid a real... I mean, and people still might get angry at you, right. but at least you haven't gotten angry, mm. you know, because you might have said, well, what do you think? I'm at your beck and call all the time. You know, yeah. you didn't ask me to... You could have said something ugly, but instead, you just say, I'm sorry, I'm not available. I won't be here. I can't be here. I will not be here. And you just repeat it so many times mm. that eventually they get the idea. But at least nobody has had that angry behavior. Right. Because a lot of times, angry behavior or letting your emotions get the better of you escalates conflict because then the other person has the right to go in that direction too. Once you've done it, so instead, right. 
don't go there. Just say, oh, I uh, wish I'd known, but I've made other plans. Right. And that just shuts down any chance for a fight to begin. How does that work now when someone who has power over you right. is saying, um, another clinician is called off, she's having her baby or just quit. I'm going to need you to pick up the coverage. I'm expecting you to you know, be a team player here. We're going to need you to... I mean, how does how do you handle that kind of conflict? I think you just have to tell the truth. Yeah. Uh, I have committed to a family wedding that's yeah. been on my calendar for over a year. I'm expected. Yeah. And I, it's just something I cannot miss. There must be other alternatives. Okay. If I filled in on Friday instead of Saturday, could the person you have scheduled for Friday work on Saturday? Because I am not unavailable. I am not available on Saturday. Right. But I could do Friday or Sunday. So engaging in problem, problem solving. solving. Yeah. Coming up with alternative solutions. Yes. You know, just laying out very clearly. Because I think what a lot, especially junior faculty yeah. who have yet to earn tenure, may come in that situation might say. Oh well, um, I'll I'll try. Yeah, you know they start out. Yeah, with something where they have no intention of trying. Right, <laughs> you know they still have this wedding they want to go to, but you pussyfoot. Yes, or you're afraid to say no mm-hmm. when really you just need to tell yeah. the truth because and you need to set boundaries. And we always talk boundaries. about um, we train people how to treat us. Mm-hmm. We train people how to treat us. So if we engage in a a pattern of allowing people to treat us like a doormat, then you right. can't be a doormat unless you lie down and allow people to walk <laughs> all over you and rock acro- walk across you. So that, I think, is a delicate balance for junior faculty members, especially if, if is walking that thin or fine line of wanting to be a team player, wanting to be mm-hmm. part of the culture, wanting to help and contribute, mm-hmm. and also get into a pattern of some semblance of work-life integration or some semblance of doing your own scholarship and doing your own work mm-hmm. that you can maintain a behavior over the over your whole career. So you don't want to get into this kind of a vicious cycle of always being the yes person. Right. Um, if you, what is this other quote I like? I think it's on the James Clear blog. If you, when we say no, we're saying no to one thing. But when you say yes... You're saying no to many things. So the idea of thinking carefully about what we say yes to, because mm-hmm. a single no is no to that offer or request, one thing. But if you say yes to it, now you're potentially opportunity cost or loss that you're saying, if I'm saying yes to this, that means I'm saying no to Everything peace and else. harmony in my home, people at the yeah. wedding will be mad at me, at me, my partner will be mad at me, I'll be mad at me. Mm-hmm. So it's that real careful balance of, mm-hmm. as you're saying, speaking truth, speaking the truth to power and doing yeah. it in a loving, kind, curious way and right. engaging in problem solving. Yeah. And you become known for that. You mm-hmm. know, I can remember being invited to be on committees and I went to a colleague and said, why am I on this committee? You know, I don't really <laughs> understand why I'm here. And he said, well, I knew you'd read the materials in advance and I knew you'd tell the truth. You know, uh-huh. and so... It's like, good, that's what I want to be known for, right, you know, right. for being prepared and for not just Contributing. Yeah. not just uh, shining on people who don't know what they're doing. So you have to learn a whole series of sentences like, um, you don't have to always say no, but you can that. say, I don't feel good about this. Yeah. There's something about this that worries me. Um, I don't know if I want my name attached to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's got to be an alternative that might preclude this but include this yeah. you know there might be something we could do that people would not react strongly to but I think they're not going to like this when mm-hmm. you send this out you know trying to really um, tell the truth and and not just go along with things because ultimately what happens when you do go along with things is when they fail then you're caught up you're, in the failure and you you're know? part of the blame right yeah, and you're part of the blame well you said okay well, no. I said I thought it was. <laughs> I said I didn't want my name on this if it went forward. I uh-huh. said I felt uncomfortable. I said, you know, but you that's all... not reflected in the meaning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you have to really avoid the pussyfooting, but uh-huh. also the clobbering, because right. what happens, I think, is that if you stay in pussyfooting too long, you kind of boomerang over to clobbering when you finally get angry enough. Yeah. 
to clobber, right. you really say many more ugly things than you intend to, or many more, you know, you go to the always and never and to the extreme examples, Yeah. when really, if you can just manage to stay in the middle, tell the truth, and, um, you know, just try to give people your honest and fair opinion, and say no if you have to. Um, part of what um, Dr. Porter believed when he was creating this strength deployment inventory is that we all go through life wearing this filter, sort of like sunglasses, mm -hmm. of our own uh, preferences. And so when I go into a meeting, I assume that everyone wants to get this meeting over with and make a decision just like I do. Right. But mm -hmm. in fact, that's not true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? That's not always true. And so um, you go through life kind of seeing what you expect to see. Sure. And you're not thoughtful enough to say, no, really, this is not the time to make a decision. This is not the time to risk offending the staff. This is not the time to make another charge for, student, for students, uh, you know, to really think about uh, your constituent groups or to think about the process. Is this how we're going to do this every single time? Mm. You know, is this going to become the new plan that we use going forward? So to realize that you are wearing this one deciding system and that you go through life kind of seeing things the way you are, and in fact, you're filtering out a lot of other choices that would be equally legitimate choices. That's right. So, you know, we, through, we go through life, and this is our colleague, our colleague Jennifer Haythorn-Thwaite has shared mm -hmm. this, this um, notion, and a lot of people have found it very helpful, that we go through life knowing what our uh, behavior is and our intentions and our underlying motivations, but what people see, first and foremost, is the behavior. Mm. They don't know our intentions. Sure. They don't know um, our underlying motives. That's right. And so I can create a lot of conflict by coming in and trying to solve this problem really quickly. And other people will say, well, Linda, this is a serious thing. It involves students and patients and faculty. And, you know, cool your jets, you know. Yeah. Um, we really need to spend more time talking about what these outcomes are going to be. So really... First and foremost, creating that dialogue so mm -hmm. that everybody is heard, everybody's opinions are out there, and realizing that there are at least three different kinds of underlying motives in the room, mm -hmm. and that you need to attend to all of them and get all of the possible uh, uh, strategies. You mean the, the three? You the mean table. the people, process, performance yes. kind of mentality? Yes. Yeah, and I like what you said about the Jennifer Haythorn Thwaite calling attention to. Internally, we understand our own motivations, but externally, people are looking mostly at our behaviors. And it reminds me of that saying of, or that idea of thinking about communication, intentions versus impact. Yeah. Well, I didn't mean that. Well, that was how she took it. You know, the yeah. intention of your email or your voicemail or your speech or your diatribe was maybe coming from this place, your motivation, but the impact yeah. is... Um, is ultimately what sometimes we can't control or at least have to give thought to yeah. how will this land. Yes, and that's really a very sophisticated leadership behavior. People go through life and become successful just doing what comes naturally. But when they move into higher leadership ranks, they need to give some thought to, if I do what comes naturally, how will people respond to that? Right. You know, And to really think more about what will the impact be if I take this action or make this comment or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever it is, how will people respond to that? Yeah. So um, if we're going to look at, um, you know, what are the things to avoid in conflict, there's some destructive behaviors that uh, really tend to escalate conflict and tend to make it worse. And we see these in meetings. Mm -hmm. um, there are things like uh, showing your negative emotions saying things like, I'm really angry about this. Mm -hmm. This doesn't really help move the conversation to a calmer place right. when people start portraying angry emotions or saying, even just saying, I'm really upset about this. Now, that is truthful, right. you know, and I've said be truthful, but raising the specter of angry emotions, <laughs> you know, 
Mm. moves the arrow a little more over toward the side of destructive discussion and anger and conflict. And so what we want to do is um, avoid displaying the angry emotions to avoid competition. Some people, especially, I don't have any data to back this up, but they're like in um, uh, uh, sports environments, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. winning at all costs or... Uh, gaming environments, winning at all costs. Certainly, yeah. uh, a lot of our drama and movies and television. This winning at all costs yeah. is the most important thing. Displaying that behavior and using that behavior leads to more conflict because people feel like they have to defend themselves. Exactly. So avoiding that kind of an attitude, um, losing respect for the other person, mm. not treating the other person with respect, um, or on the weakest end of the spectrum, just avoiding conflict altogether. Many people think, well, I'll just avoid, I just won't say anything. I'll just avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. I'll just sit here in the corner. Well, that's not actually a powerful strategy because Mm -hmm. the conflict goes on without you. (laughs) You Yes. It continues. You just become the person who has no input at all. Mm -hmm. A fence sitter. Yeah. Yeah. And so all of those things can really escalate a conflict and make it worse. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, the typical outcomes, you know, when you look Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. what you see in a meeting when uh, people are are focusing on people and name-calling rather than focusing on the idea of the problem, um, the kind of behaviors you see, people get angry, they get frustrated, um, they start being more judgmental, start trying to keep score and mm-hmm. figure out, well, i got to win at mm-hmm. all costs. Um, they may stop speaking to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they may close the channels of communication. Um, they may start to lose confidence that the problem will ever be solved. You know, they mm-hmm. may start to just think, well, this process isn't working. You yeah, know? forget it. Let's draw. Let, yeah. Let's just let the department chair decide, yeah. you know. A lot of departments kind of operate in in that, you mm-hmm. know, really, faculty are the institution, and the faculty should be able to guide all the decision-making. Mm-hmm. But I've seen groups of faculty who just kind of are so conflicted among themselves that they just give up and expect the department chair to come in and clobber everybody until yeah. one thing happens, you know, that it should be a punitive environment where the department chair says something and, you know, rules the roost but department chairs will say nobody listens to me you know you can Mm -hmm. tell me to make the decision but when i tell the faculty here's what i've decided because they haven't participated in the decision they don't follow it anyway (laughs) so so decisions that come from the group where the group has decided they've had a thoughtful process now they're committed to moving forward Mm -hmm. It's much more likely uh, to be implemented than right. if some senior leader comes in and says, "Here's an how it's going to be. That's yeah, right. Just mm-hmm. shut up and do what I tell you." Yeah. So, so what are some constructive mm-hmm. positions that we can take if we're trying to avoid those destructive positions? One thing is to focus on the ideas and not the personalities. Yeah. Uh, not to say so much. Um, you. Well, Kim, you your idea, yeah. I think, is flawed. But to say, this that, idea here, I think, is is the one that is I'm having troubles with, and not identify it with a person. That's great. Just identify the idea for its own sake, um, and and really not not name people, you know, yeah. uh, because then you get this us th- us them thing going, you uh-huh, know, where uh-huh. yeah, people you choosing blue sides. people over right. there don't understand, and us red people over here, we know what we're talking about, and so. To not try to identify people and groups into sides, but to say, here's this idea, here's this idea. What are the values of each? What are the flaws of each? Yeah, and understanding and focusing also on the common interest, the mutual goals, and Mm -hmm. reminding people, all right, let's remind ourselves the purpose of this meeting or this department or this mission of this project is to remember we all want the same thing. We're all here for the same reason, the patients or right. the students or the right. customers or whatever you have. And 
that gut check of reminding, why are we all here? And yes. recognizing yeah. we all have different motivations. That's the core of politics is understanding people's motivations. Yeah. And so we're all here to get there. There are lots of different ways we can get there. Let's all agree and own one, you know, a, be- a best way or a better way today to get there. And if there's still disagreement, a wonderful way to hedge your bets is to say, let's try it let's as try a it. pilot. Uh, pilot. <laughs> exactly. I love that. That's all. When in doubt, so, pilot it. <laughs> we did so many pilots where we would say, a bit you know, yeah. and then you, you evaluate it at the end. And if it didn't work so well, try to adapt right. it to something better. Yeah. Um, but when you when you see people being constructive and really focusing on ideas in a calm, rational way and generating a lot of alternatives and building on each other's ideas, you see win-win solutions coming forward. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of open and honest communication. You see both parties' needs being met. Mm-hmm. And we used to do a thing years ago. There was a wonderful activity called Ugly Orange. And both groups of teams were told they need a bag of oranges. And the trainer only has one bag of oranges to sell. And you give the two teams their own scenario of why they need the oranges. Ah. But each group gets a different scenario. So you have to do a lot of talking before the two groups realize that this group needs the rind and this group needs the juice. Oh, I love and it. And so we have enough resources in the room to satisfy everybody. But if you just come in saying, we need that bag of oranges. Yeah, know, I love you it. Know, you don't ever get to the point where you can say, oh, look, oh. we can just divide this up so we both get what we want. And yeah, so love it. this notion of um, can you really discuss things to the point? Can you discuss things to the point that you don't even have to come to the meeting anymore because I can represent you so well? Yes. I know your needs so well yeah. that I can represent you at the meeting. And I love that as a, a characteristic of true leadership. And, and that is the practice or habit of the being curious and having pre-meeting. The pre-meeting yes, meeting. Yes, <laughs> yes. Where you... Take the time to meet with people, and I want to understand your motivations. I want to understand what your needs are. I want to understand your concerns. And doing like we would consider in research a literature review. You're going to go out there. If you're interested in a topic, you're going to see what's been published on that topic. You want to get the broad, the, the depth and breadth of what's been done there. So the same thing is we look at our team members or our mm-hmm. department or division members as they're the literature. They're the, they, they are owning the data or the information yes. on this thing. So I want to read that person so that I understand where the gaps are, where are the yes. commonalities, yeah. where are the things that are you know different. And then you're right, someone coming into a meeting who I feel confident has done the research, they've mm-hmm. done the lit review, they know the state of the field at this point in time, meaning they know our opinions because he or she has talked with all of us at, you know, at length. Now I have a lot more confidence that even though if I don't agree with Dr. Linda Dillon Jones, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt because I trust her process and I trust yeah. her ability to be rational and uh-huh. have taken that time versus snow plowing and bulldozing yeah, all over yeah, everybody. and considering all the options. Right. And a great way you can teach your uh, mentees and the people who report to you to do this is to always ask them, you know, when they're coming to you for a decision or for support of a decision, to ask them, and what's the other side? Mm. You know, when What people, else have we not thought about? What, what else have we, we not, not considered? Yeah. Have when we you, forgotten anything? When you learn to debate, mm. when you're practicing to become a debater, you have to be able to argue both sides. Yeah, and in right. the middle of arguing this side, the judge may say, okay, now argue the other side. And you have to be that facile that you can move back and forth from side to side. And I remember as a director of the training center, I would come in kind of fussing with one of my colleagues about budget or resources or something we wanted to do. Maybe they were teaching a course that conflicted with something we were teaching or, or took away took away um, participation from something we were doing. And I would go to my boss and he would always say, and what's Lisa's side? You know, that's oh. your side. What's Lisa's side? And so he always expected me to know what the other there argument you go. was. There you go. And so, very you, wise. Learn, you know, you learn to come in knowing both sides very yes. well. 
And once you know both sides, you're more likely to make an accurate decision better well, just, anyway. And that the same thing I'm thinking of our clinician faculty with families and patients. Right. When you're trying to um, build relationships with your patients and trying to understand their reticence to adopt a certain treatment or new behavior or something about their disease or condition or a lifestyle, uh, trying to understand, well, I would eat more healthy, but I'm working three jobs and I don't have time to prepare that kind of food. And so it's quicker for me to go through the drive-thru for a dollar and get this. So understanding where people are coming from, I think it just, but it does take time. And that's in this, unfortunately, in our our culture and our climate, we're all, so many of us are just rushing, rushing, rushing that Mm -hmm. we start with the big sigh of, oh, I got to go to another meeting versus if I want to take time to learn yeah. all the different perspectives, that t- takes time. Well, it's where do you want to spend your time? Yeah, do you want true. to spend it the on the front, front end or, or on the, the back, back end, cleaning you know? up messes and, and mending right. broken relationships? <laughs> right. Well, it's true because when you have to deal with complaints, That's you know, right. and convincing everybody one-on-one that something you've already announced is a good idea, that is way time-consuming on the back end. Right. So, um, so there are some things you can do. I'm moving into my next topic here. Uh, what can you do to teach people to be more constructive in their decision-making and in avoiding conflict in groups that you're working with, whether you're chairing a committee or you're um, working with your direct reports on a research project or um, you know your direct reports in the office? Uh, what are some things you can do? Right. I think the first is that it's very important to be tactful. And, um, you know, we're all working in international environments, and a lot of our international students are much more tactful than Mm. their American uh, counterparts uh, because Americans kind of think, well, hey, it's a democracy. I can say whatever I want. You know, I can let it all hang out. I was just being myself, you know, I've got a strong personality, you just have to live with that, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, I mean, I used to love when we were going through some difficult times, um, when we were rolling out the new financial system for the university, Mm -hmm. there were people who'd be running a meeting, and they would come in and say, um, so this is going to be a difficult meeting. We have some difficult decisions to make. Okay. And um, I just want to set some ground rules for the meeting. I would like everyone to behave with tact. I love it. We would always uh, come into our leadership program saying, you know, we're not trying to create a hostile environment, but imagine over this week-long program, people disagree occasionally. And so we're going to set a ground rule that people will be tactful with each other. And we're not going to try to hurt each other. And uh, you don't want to say anything that yeah. uh, you, you can't take back. You I know? like it. There's no harm in, in being upfront and honest. This is mm-hmm. tough. This is hard for me in, in, one-on-one. This is a hard conversation for me. It's uncomfortable or this meeting is going to be difficult. So let's not pretend. So yeah. I think that also yeah. kind of gives people kind mm-hmm. of an exhale moment of, all right, I'm not the only one. Yeah who's dreading this or re- being resentful that, okay, we're all in this together. It's going to be tough. I, I, I think that's great. Very it, honest. Don't, don't pre- push it under the rug and pretend like this is going to be tra-la-la, mm-hmm. all, you know, you know, sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. It's just a tough. All right, let's suck it's it up and let's tough. be on our best behavior. And to set any other ground rules yeah. that you need. No so. interrupting. That's a big mm-hmm. thing. Like I'm doing mm-hmm. to you I'm constantly. I'm, I podcast. <laughs> I interrupt all the time. No, all. And that's one of my big things in meetings, when people just talk over each other and yes. interrupt people constantly. Yes. And so I've tried different approach. I keep talking and don't stop talking. And I know you're trying to interrupt me, Linda, but I'm going to keep talking, <laughs> Linda. I know, Linda, when I'm done talking, now you can talk. Or I've stopped, rolled my eyes in my Kim Skorupski fashion, waited for the person to stop talking. Then I'll say, as I was saying before you interrupt me, and or may I finish now? And all of those feel like putting the hand the up. Listeners can't see, but holding up your hand. Mm. If you just hold, and I'm holding up my hand like palms like out. Stop. Like stop. And yeah. it's the international symbol yeah, for stop. stop. And people need to learn to do that if uh-huh. they are being interrupted while they're talking. Yeah. Just hold up your hand so people let you finish. I think also groups can uh, take turns facilitating the meeting. Ah. They can get used to the idea ah. of having always having a facilitator because, and the ground rule is, we want to hear from everyone. Yeah. 
we don't want the extroverts to you know feel like they have to fill in whenever there's a silence we want to hear all the good ideas from everyone including the introverts who are less likely to be able to break into a conversation that's running past like a bunch of wild horses right so let's take turns facilitating let's make sure that we um, make sure everyone is heard and then, uh, and there are techniques, for example, uh, you know, everyone knows brainstorming, but there's also uh, brainstorming uh, any non-redundant idea. Don't keep saying the same thing over and over again, but just tell me a new idea uh-huh. and just keep uh-huh. going around until you've heard every idea in the room. Yeah. Um, so that you're not, you yeah. know, nothing is yes. being lost. Um, but you're right about the listening piece. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be... Um, very difficult for people to really listen and hear and understand what is being said if they're thinking about what their reply is going to right. be. That's right. And so many times, and this is Stephen Covey, mm-hmm. he said, we don't listen with an intent to uh, hear and understand. We listen with an intent to reply. Right. So to really, and, and I've heard people in me just saying, okay, I feel like the conversation is going so fast now. I just would like us to slow down ah. and listen to each other because I think we're just yelling at each other now and I don't think anybody's listening or hearing what's being said. So let us just slow this down wow. and make sure, you know, and just call attention wow. to what's going on in there. Everybody room. take a deep breath. Yeah. As people are becoming more agitated. agitated yeah. yeah. The other thing um, you can do is insist that people make I statements because people will come in and say, well, everybody feels or everybody thinks. Mm. And it's like, well, did you do a survey? I mean, how do you know what everybody thinks or feels? Just tell me what you think or Mm. feel, you know. Mm -hmm. Make an I statement. If you're not willing to claim that this is your opinion you're sharing, don't try to pile on the weight of a bunch of people who aren't here. That's right. Good point. Just make I statements. And that could be part of the ground rules. You know, when you, you had good meeting hygiene, uh, I know in, in the business world, the, they're you know starting the meeting on time and cell phones off or in the middle mm-hmm. of the table and using I statements and not interrupting. So that could just be part of the culture that you would build in. Mm-hmm. This is the way we behave. That's mm-hmm. just something to be reminded of. And I love that whole pausing thing of let's slow our roll. Right. We're moving too fast. I know. And if you're pressed for time, then... Um, we need to reschedule this. We're not going right. to come to a decision when there's clearly a lot of discussion that needs to be had. Uh, and we'll stop yeah. here and let's let's do this right versus, what is it? Uh, I think it's also a Covey thing. Are you doing the right things or are you doing things right? Right. Yeah. So that's the difference between a leader and a manager. Managers do things right. Leaders do the right, right things. Yeah, you can spend an awful lot of time gathering data that no one is ever going to use, right. you know, if you're not gathering the right data. Um, we used to, with groups that had a lot of decisions to make on projects, we would go in initially and do a um, meeting with them where we would set up operating principles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so here are the rules for how we're going to behave in our meetings And then when you'd hire new people, you'd say, here's how we behave in meetings. Read this document and Uh, sign it. Oh, there (laughs) you go. The contract. So, so for example, one of the um, operating principles I had with my group, they didn't like the notion that somebody else would be talking about them behind closed doors. And so they were like, there's too much gossiping around here. And I said, well, how can we get around that? And they said, well, don't talk to anybody about me unless I'm in the room. So we thought, yeah, that's a fair rule. And we called it no triangulation. And so Uh we had the agreement that I would not talk to Kim about Joan. Uh If you want to talk to with me about something Joan has done or decided or is doing with her group, you have to bring bring Joan Joan with me to the meeting. There you go. And the three of us will talk about it. Okay. Very mature. (laughs) No triangulation. And people like that. It eliminated a lot of conflict because people knew no gossiping, just if you want to talk about something with me. You can come to me directly, and if that doesn't work, then we'll both go talk to Linda. Mm -hmm. But we're not going to be talking to the whole group individually, choosing up sides, creating anxiety and all that. Exactly. And so I think, you know, you can create, you can eliminate a lot of conflict just by forgiving. Hmm. 
just by, mm. you know, if you were angry and mean to me at the last meeting, I have to forgive that. I can't carry that around. Yeah. I can't, yeah. you know, and I love the quote, holding on to bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping, hoping your enemy will get sick. Oh, You know, yeah. if you are holding on to anger about things that have happened in the past, you need to clear that up now and move forward with a clean, clear heart. Yeah. And so it may be that you have to go to that person and say to them, you know, we've had a lot of disagreements in the past, and I know I've annoyed you on countless occasions, and I don't <laughs> mind telling you you've annoyed me. But going forward, I don't want to have that anymore. I don't want to have that in my heart. I want you to tell me honestly anything you think I should know, mm. and we're not going to carry all that anxiety and stress anymore. Wow. Let's just agree to be honest with each other. Wow. And do it in a nice way, you know. I mean, the funny thing is people who are very logical, when they decide somebody else doesn't know what they're doing, they go right to, um, you know, you are not as good a thinker as I am. Uh, You know, there's something flawed in your logic. Arrogance. So, And then arrogance. And then the next thing is, so I don't have to be nice to you. Ah, you're not worth, you're not worthy. Right. And so setting that aside and just saying, well, it's just too easy to call people's names or to Mm -hmm. dismiss them or roll my eyes or Mm -hmm. bully or whatever. The hard thing would be to deal with them honestly and teach them what I know. Oh, wow. That's profound. Yeah. If I think I know more than they do, then I better teach them or they're always going to be bugging me for the rest of my career. So let me see if I can help them understand my position mm-hmm. yeah. and give them a chance to help me understand uh-huh. their position. Right. And really. Yeah. And a little. Hum- from wow. Well, isn't that also another important lesson? Being a little humble and having some humility to be honest with yourself and consider the idea that maybe someone might have some idea that would um, be better than my solution. Mm-hmm. That humility, mm-hmm. I think, in our field is tough because, as you said, many of us feel like, well, I know this. I've done this. I'm an expert at this. I'm really confident about that. And it takes a lot. It, it is tough. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of fortitude and character and integrity to say, huh, is there some other way of looking at this or thinking about this? Or is there some diversity that I'm not seeing because I'm so used to doing it my way and I've been successful all along? Look at me. Right. Um, how can, You can't argue against success. I'm doing well. Right. Being bl- But wearing blinders to the fact that this could be a, something even better if you were to expand your lens and open up your framework to see alternative viewpoints. So right. I like the humility because part of it too. Ultimately, you want people coming to your retirement party. Ah, ultimately, yeah. you want people to like you and to have valued the contribution you made to their lives, you know. So building up enemies over the course of your yeah. career until yeah. everybody in the department hates, hates you, you. Yeah. You know, doesn't get you the depart- the retirement party you deserve, you know? Yeah, it doesn't get so, you a day-to-day life, though, that's pleasant either, because yeah. we spend so much time at work, way more than um, 40 hours. Wouldn't you yeah. want to have an environment where you're not oh, yes. um, lurking around and hiding from people and people, oh, yeah. you know, talking behind your back? Yeah, it's all, it comes down to relationships. Everything does. I love it, yeah. Yeah, there's a wonderful book now called The Undoing Project. Yes, Michael, Michael Lewis. Lewis. Yep. About the relationship between Kahneman and Tversky yes. and how they really created a new way to think, which was part of their relationship and how they interacted with each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that to everybody yeah. because it really shows how you, you, your work builds on other, other people's, people's work yeah. and on other people's contribution. And if you can't figure out a way to welcome that, mm-hmm. it's going to affect your to work your own, negatively. Yeah, to your own, perhaps, defeat. I mean, another thing mm-hmm. on James Clear's blog I love is um, learn not to collaborate in your own defeat. You know, many people mm-hmm. do. You know, mm-hmm. So learn not to do that. Oh, I know. Well, the other thing is, you know, I, I used to, a lot of my colleagues were OD people, organization development people, and they were, uh, their job, their full-time paid employment at the university was to work with these crotchety faculty members who couldn't get along with anybody, mm-hmm. you know, and it was surprising to them 
and I heard the stories about how they would work with people, work with people, work with people, and these people were still just so unpleasant and so awful to everyone around them and so stuck in their ways. And finally, we would figure out a way to fire them. Yeah. And then they would be surprised. Oh, like, why? 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 How yeah. can this be? <gasps> you know, what did you think we were doing this last 10 years when oh. we were trying to build a bridge between you and all these people you were offending, you mm. know, and we were trying to attend to all these issues that yes. you were a part of and that you were firing and, you know, firing the furnace in your yeah. own area. You were creating so much trouble over the years that there were a whole group of people just trying to solve all these problems generated by your lack obtuse. of ability to get, and they just had no Didn't clue, get it. Wow. had no clue. And, um, no good comes from that. No mm. good comes from that for the individual or the department. Mm. You know, it, it's just, it leads to ill health and That's right. and bad decision making. And so I think, you know, my one last piece of advice would be the power of apology. Mm-hmm. That, um, you know, we all have, if nothing else, we failed to build a working relationship with people. Mm-hmm. Whether we were rude to them or mean to them or angry or whatever. If you have failed to build a working relationship, that's a failure. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you don't get to Period. say yeah. that's on them. You yeah. know, no, uh, you know. Own it. And so if you've yeah. tried and failed, you know, what can you do to really apologize to that person for um, just your regret for whatever happened? You're accepting responsibility for your part of what happened and then establishing a remedy going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm trying to... I like the whole thing that one strategy we talk in our leadership groups of inviting an inner circle, or as Jennifer Haythronswick calls it, a Mm -hmm. tribe, and inviting people to help you or work with you on a project. So I'd say, hey, and Linda, I'm really working on trying not to interrupt people at a meeting. And I'd I'd like to invite you to help me, give me feedback Mm -hmm. after that meeting, or give me a sign, you know, during the meeting, tug on my your earlobe or hold a finger up to remind me when I'm doing something that I, you know, would like to change a behavior. So um, asking people to to help you. And Mm -hmm. that's so I, I think that might be one way of the whole um, that whole relationship building is saying, I- I'm going to claim ownership. I apologize for this behavior in the past. I'd like to propose going forward. We try this. I'm not perfect. I'm going to fail at this. And when I do, I hope you'll forgive me. I hope we can work together. Mm-hmm. And um, would you help me come up with a solution or remedy so that I can improve our relationship? What can I do? Full in that? points. Yeah. Full points. That's yeah. wonderful. Or to go up to someone and say, you know, I'd like to have a better relationship with you. Or I'd yeah. like to have a stronger or less stressful relationship with you. Um, I can tell that I sometimes upset you. Yes. Could you tell me, you know, help me understand what the issues are between us. Yeah. Uh, help Love me it. understand what I could do differently to build a stronger relationship with you. So many times when you do that, people are so thrilled that exactly. you care enough. Right, you know? exactly. That they're like, no, we're fine. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just, so just trying to go closer to people mm-hmm. as your colleagues, because ultimately there's a wonderful TED Talk online about the secret to happiness. Hmm. It's about the Harvard study oh, of yes. relationships. And, yes. you know, they followed these Harvard guys right. and they had a control group from Back Bay, Boston, mm-hmm. and they followed them for 70, 70 years. years. Yeah, relationships. And it's all, all comes the down. only thing that matters yeah. is relationships. That's so right. um, I always, when we do the conflict class, I always advise people to create a list of relationships that are problematic for you and take some first step. Don't let it just ride the way it is. Take some first step, and a great first step is just, can I take you out for coffee? Right. Haven't seen you in a long time. Can I take you out for coffee and go there with the intent to listen Uh and to understand what their issues are? And if they raise something that leads to conflict, to try to just hear them out. Because a lot of times just talking about the conflict makes it disappear. I mean, right. many times just the fact that people feel heard. Heard and seen and appreciated. Yeah, that time of just me and you and hearing mm-hmm. me and being quiet and not 
butting in to solve it, fix it, move on. Yeah, that that is the biggest thing is that for especially extroverts like me is fighting the urge to fill the quiet space. Mm-hmm. And you learn that if you say, you know, tell me about that, Linda, and then you tell me what you think is safe or or just enough for me. And then at that moment when you're done talking, if I have allow that pregnant pause to get more pregnanter <laughs> and sit there, oftentimes a person, Linda, you'll keep talking. Uh-huh. So uh, that that couple moments where you got the breath, you know, we extroverts, I try to like, okay, Kim, shut up, shut up, shut up. There's more in there, but that person is, they're testing me. They're testing me to see is, is she going to say, okay, what you need to do is, or am mm. I going to jump the gun and go into my normal routine? Or am mm. I really going to say, is there more you'd like to tell me? Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Can you tell me more about that? Mm-hmm. Oh, now we're for real. And that's where the blossoming, the detail. And and so many, I just did a, media, a conflict mediation with um, a faculty member and a postdoc uh, a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And just allowing these two people to sit in the same room together and talk, it was obvious to me that they were completely opposing personality preference types and completely opposite conflict type. One was um, conflict avoidant, one was definitely competitive. And just to have that quiet space, they agreed not to interrupt each other and hear each other. There was these there were these moments, distinct moments I remember of an aha moment of, oh, oh my gosh, I had no idea. This was yeah. the backstory. Yeah. And then after both of them came and talked to me and it was emotional. I mean, the one told me, well, what that person doesn't realize is that my partner is ha- has been having cancer and I don't mm-hmm. want to bring that into the office and I didn't think it was appropriate to say anything, but when this person said this and that, it was because of this. When this person kind of made light of that and that, it was because of this. And it was just this whole outpouring mm-hmm. of emotion and backstories. Mm-hmm. And it just further solidified the knowledge in me that there's so many, everybody's got at least a tragic story, one mm-hmm. story, at least mm-hmm. one, and many yeah. more. And so trying to dig below, like you talk about right. this iceberg thing, Icebergs, you yeah. know. Like, that you see the little tip above yes. the water and there's all this stuff underneath right. that you have no idea what's going on in people's lives. And, uh, you know, trying to to get them to share that and to understand what it, what is really important to them in this conflict. You yeah. know, so that I can try to give you as much of what you need. Yeah. And still get some of what I need, you know. Yeah. Then we have a good chance to move forward. Yeah. Productively. So I like that whole um, what you just said about forgiveness is giving people a little bit of mercy and grace and mm-hmm. the benefit of the doubt that there may be a lot going on here that I don't know and what's going on. So forgiveness and apology and knowing when to draw boundaries and knowing mm-hmm. when to be firm and. Um, being curious and just you know making sure that you're you protect yourself and and your boundaries i guess is what i'm trying to trying to get at mm-hmm. all the while having the humility to recognize that this is maybe not about me and it's mm-hmm. maybe i don't know everything and so being mm-hmm. curious kind of gets mm-hmm. gets to that point mm-hmm. absolutely and if you don't do that when you retire, you'll still be dreaming about all that stuff yeah. from years ago. Mm. You know, you will carry it with you forever if you don't deal with it now. Yeah. That's where stress comes from, is all those conflicts that we don't deal with. Unresolved. That we don't let come to the surface. Yeah. Uh, a lot of ulcers, a lot, yes. <laughs> a lot of heart attacks. You know, yes. people carry around a tremendous amount of stress and angst just because they're not willing to have simple conversations and so they end up having complicated yes. conversations you know you bury so, and bury and bury and bury it and um you can bury it all you want but it's still there then it's still there yeah it's funny uh, this will be my last comment uh we used to do a 360 assessment through the leadership programs for the university and out of 155 items so once every 10 years i could get a group score for everyone who'd ever been through the program and in that 10-year analysis of, you know, the rank order of these 155 items, the bottom item out of 155 was always 
confronts problems early before they get out of hand. So, you know, when you look at this university and what we weren't good at, we were not, we were just like avoiding a lot and not trying to deal with things as quickly as we could, partly because we're so busy. Exactly. But partly because we fear confrontation and sometimes mm-hmm. confronting things early eliminates a lot of work on the backside later on. That's so right. I would encourage people to at least try to start a conversation wherever they have a conflict in their life and just try to remember that pussyfooting, clobbering, or the silence, violence, and try to stay right in the middle, telling the truth as kindly as you can every single day. This has been great, and I'm going to end on that. You've been listening to Dr. Linda Dillon-Jones on conflict. She's a senior consultant for faculty development here at Johns Hopkins, and you can reach her at lindadillonjones at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.